Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. This is 1039 LI News Radio. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here. Thrilled to be with a legendary singer, songwriter, guitarist, a little little bit of everything. Uh, you know his work from the Guess Who and Backnum Turner Overdrive. Randy Backman is our very special guest. Randy, how are you? I'm very good. Nice to talk to you. Great to talk to you. And it's, uh, listen, it's always good to talk to someone who knows what they're doing, but it's great to talk to someone who's done it for so long and, uh, and, and you really have had some, some career and still going strong. Uh, George Harrison. You're doing uh, doing a lot of his uh, songs here, and you're getting a lot of uh, press on on some recent work that you've done with his songs. What brought this on? Well, a couple of years ago, I got invited to Liverpool for John Lennon's 75th birthday, and a friend of mine was producing the stage show Let It Be, which is you know the Beatles in transition from Leathers in Germany through. You know, the first album, then they changed clothes. You've probably seen these Beatle things where they changed the music and they changed it to Sgt. Pepper clothes and stuff. And they were doing it on John Lennon's birthday in Liverpool. And so he invited me to it. So I went to see that. And the next day I did the whole Beatles thing because I'm a Beatles fan. I stayed at the Hard Day's Night Hotel. The next day I went to the Beatles Museum. I took the bus tour to see Eleanor Rigby's grave, got my hair cut in Penny Lane Barber Shop, went to Strawberry Fields. At the end of the day, Julia Lennon, John's half-sister, brought John's favorite birthday cake, which wasn't a cake at all, which was brownies full of walnuts, <laughs> uh, to us to have you know, with a candle in it and sing happy birthday to John and gave us all John Lennon glasses that she got from the original guy <laughs> where John got his glasses. And so that was like a big thrill for me. And I came home and I thought, well, George was the youngest Beatle. When is he going to be 75? Oh, in two years, in, 19, in 2018. So back in the Guess Who, uh, when a new Beatle album came out, Burton Cummings or somebody else would always sing the Lennon and McCartney songs, and I always would sing the George song. It was a designated thing, as our drummer would sing the Ringo songs. That's how most bands did it around the world. And that way the drummer would sing a song or two, and the lead guitar player like me would sing a song. So I always grew up singing George's songs. So I thought, well, I'm going to try to do an album for him for his 75th birthday, and release it on his birthday, the 25th of February, and celebrate it all year long. And um, I started to redo his songs, and I go, you know, this is pretty cool. I'm really cool. This doesn't work. <laughs> it's me trying to do Tax Man better than Tax Man, and I can't do it better than they did it. It's me trying to do My Sweet Lord, and I can't do it any better. How can I make this presentable? I can change it. I can rearrange it. So I took every song, and this has been done with my songs. I've done a lot of progressive radio now jazz stations are now playing jazz artists are doing Joni Mitchell they're doing Lennon and McCartney they're doing the Beach Boys and they're interpreting it on a piano and they're like Diana Krall and there's something like that and they're doing these the new standards which are Beatles and Beach Boys stuff right yeah so I thought gee I'm, my stuff's been redone by Junior Walker and Lenny Kravitz and, and Kurt Elling that a jazz version of She's Come Undone that's amazing I'm just going to take every George song strip it down to be a song and as a songwriter, come back and celebrate it as a song. And if it's a slow song, I'll make it fast. If it's in a major key, I'll make it a minor key. And I'll really try to reinvent it as a song, but honor it as a song as well. And so the thrill I have with this album is when I'm playing it live, or somebody even puts it on in their car, they play a game in their family or in their car. The song starts and there's 20 or 30, 40 minute intro of a groove, and everybody's grooving to it, and they don't know what the song is. Wow. The minute I start singing, because George's lyrics are so easy to sing, 
they sing along and they start to burst into smile because now they know <laughs> they they know the song, and so it's really a lot of fun. And also, I sprinkled George's solos from all his other songs are in these songs in little nooks and crannies. You'll suddenly hear a guitar line from My Sweet Lord, which is not on the album, but the guitar line is in a song called Don't Bother Me. Do you know what I mean? So even the intro uh, Between Two Mountains, a song I wrote to explain how I felt George felt when he would go to a studio to a session and there's Mount McCartney and Mount Lennon come in with 30 songs each and then they would maybe say to George, hey George, you got a song? So between these two mountains, he had these great songs. So even in that song, Between Two Mountains, I played George's solo from And I Love Her. It's in the middle. And you don't know what it is at first because it's, it's not in the context of And I Love Her. But as you play it over and over, and the, the song breaks down, you hear it, dun, 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 and you go, oh, what's that from? Oh, it's from And I Love Her. So I have taken his famous guitar licks from here, there, and everywhere and sprinkled them in the songs as well. I, it just, I, I'm, I'm blown away by, uh, by your enthusiasm for this project. I mean, I'm dying to hear it now. I, I'm ashamed to say I haven't yet. And uh, let me remind folks that are just tuning in or just turning on their radios, Frank McKay here with the great Randy Bachman, and you know his work again from the Guess Who, lots of solo work, and and of course, Backman uh, Turner Overdrive, and uh, one thing that I'm absolutely blown away by, and I'm sure a lot of listeners are too, uh, the Beatles are at that status, and George Harrison is at that status where guys like you who have had, uh, you know, amazing careers, uh, incredible careers. You're still in awe of of the Beatles and and George Harrison to put this much work into uh, into his his work is just you know absolutely amazing, and I wonder if it's going to catch on. And I don't mean what you're doing, but I wonder if other people are gonna are gonna do that with the greats and and say, hey, let me uh, do Sinatra this way, or let me do you know um, you know Elvis this way. It's a little different here. Uh, because, yeah, I see. Yeah. I see that. I see that happening. That once you're established and you want to do something good, you pay tribute. A good friend of mine who had many hits in the 90s, Curtis Steigers, yeah. who's a very respectable jazz artist now who plays sax, he just did a whole Frank Sinatra tribute album. Mm. And it's really great. But he sounds like Buble doing Sinatra. Right, right. When you, when you hear mine, mine sounds like Led Zeppelin in a song like In Need You. It sounds like Led Zeppelin with the Beatles on top. Or um, another song will sound like ZZ Top. Taxman sounds like ZZ Top with George Harrison on top. So mine vocals still sound like the Beatles, and I sound a lot like George. I use the automatic double tracking from, from Abbey Road to get my voice to sound like his with that thick double voice. When my band sings, they do Beatles harmony, and then underneath it is this ZZ Top thing that is Chicago Fast Blue Shuffle under Taxman. And when we play live, the audience cannot sit down. They stand up and they just do the, the most incredible boogie-woogie dancing to this song and they all can sing i'm the tax man yeah he's the tax man it's really amazing the, the response to these songs yeah no, no I, I can't imagine anything but uh having a positive response i don't know if this is telling tales out of school but can you can you say uh, if any big name folks reached out to you and and wanted to get involved or or asked you quietly hey can we can we do something in the future like this have you gotten a lot of response from other stars well, I have, and my previous album, I had seven guest guitar solos on it. It was called Heavy Blues. I had every guy you'd ever want to have on that as a soloist. I had Frampton, I had Joe Bonamassa, I had Robert Randolph, mm. I had Jeff Healy, Neil Young, and went on and on and on. So this one was kind of a quiet thing. 
I wanted to keep it to myself because I didn't want it to run away. But in the whole process, I met a great guy named Walter Trout at a Jeff Healy 50th birthday party a few years ago. And so I guessed it on a song on Walter Trout's last album that debuted at number one on Billboard, where I was co-singing and playing with him. And then I sent him While My Guitar Gently Weeps, and he played on the outro, and it's absolutely amazing. So if you play My Guitar Gently Weeps, it rocks out with me on guitar, but it sounds very much like Neil Young, Crazy Horse. And when the last two minutes, when Walter Truck comes in, it's like Jimi Hendrix landed in the studio, plugged, walked up to his you know, amp, plugged in, and went nutso for two minutes. It's just incredible. It brings tears to my eyes when I hear it. Because Walter did that. Walter got thrown out of his hotel when he did that. I sent it to him on the road. He was on tour in Europe. I said, we have a deadline. We've got a master. So here's an MP3. Put it in your computer. So he puts it in his computer. He puts on headphones. He brings a Mesa boogie amp into his hotel room, cranks it up, plays loud, breaks the window, gets thrown out of the hotel, sends me the MP3 and says, pick what you want. And I said, are you kidding? I want every single note. So the song became two minutes longer because he played so great. And I just left it in there. And it's, to have this guy playing his heart and soul on that track is just amazing. And that's one of our great tracks live because it leaves the opportunity for anybody to sit in on guitar and go nuts. I mean, we're now arranging an American tour and we're having guys like from older bands like Joe Bonamassa, Slash, uh, even younger bands like Queens of the Stone Age and guys like that saying, look, we grew up on BTO or our dad loved BTO. Can we come and play on taking care of business and tax man or guitar gently weeps. And I'm saying, yeah, we're doing the troubadour on this date. And come on down to sound check and we'll set you up and we'll, we'll all rock out together. So it's opened many doors for me as well. Randy Backman is the voice that you're hearing. Uh, just a wonderful project here, honoring uh, the memory and the talents of, of George Harris and Frank McKay here with Randy Backman. Uh, Randy, was there a, a Harrison song or a Beatles song that you came across that you really wanted to work into there, but for whatever reason, it just didn't, it just didn't happen. You, you tried and tried and you kind of, yeah, it, it was my sweet Lord. Mm. So right. it's, it's like what I said you... to you, it's like I would say to you, okay, I need you to rewrite the Lord's prayer. <laughs> and you would go, Hmm, how can I start beyond our father who art in heaven? How can I right. change that? You can't change it. So I figured I'm not even going to touch that song, but I took the lead from that, from My Sweet Lord, and put it over another song called Don't Bother Me. Nice. Right, so you'll hear the My Sweet Lord guitar in a different song. So I honored, I honored the song that way, in a way, by not doing by saying you couldn't do it any better than George. I mean, the other versions you hear by him, like, and I would iTune all these. I'd listen to the other versions. If I needed someone by the Hollies, was it an exact copy of the Beatles? My Sweet Lord by Billy Preston is an exact copy. So I figured, why would I want to do an exact copy that when people hear it once, they go, eh, I'll listen to the original. I want to make mine that they go, what on earth did this guy do? That's incredible. That really rocks the song. It rocks our world. It brings whole new life. Let's play that again. Let's hear that guitar part. Let's hear his chord changes that he put in there. He left out 14 chords, but he put in two great new ones. Listen how great that turnaround is. That's what I wanted. That's what I'm getting. So it was kind of a dream. That's coming true right now. You know, I've had Louise... And we're coming, out, we're coming out in vinyl in about two weeks. It's going to be four sides, black and white marble, like a bowling ball, and it's going to run at 45 RPM, so the vinyl's going to be a collector's item. Yeah, and by the way, people are really... It's, it's not even a fad anymore. People are seriously getting into vinyl. People are buying, uh, you know, record players and 
uh, turntables yeah. left and right. I mean, it's really it's a thing. It's 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 an actual thing. I, let me ask you. Um, I, I've had Louise Harrison on uh, on the show several times, and it's always uh, you know an honor. And I get into you know George as a kid, and and you know George's uh, George's life and all that. Uh, has the Harrison family responded to this? Yes, my manager was in touch with uh, David Sunshine, who's the manager of the family estate, and Olivia and Danny, and they absolutely love it. It took them a while, because believe me, it took me a while to get used to Lenny Kravitz doing American Woman. <laughs> yeah. You go, what is this guy? What is this guy doing? Where's my guitar solo? Yeah. Well, he did his own guitar solo, so it takes a re- it takes a while because you can imagine you've grown up and you're Danny Harrison, and you've heard My Sweet Lord or Taxman a zillion times. Or, or if I needed someone, and then suddenly in comes my version. If I needed someone, I do in kind of an acid jazz thing with George Benson guitar. But you, it's real hip, you can dance to it. And so you, this thing comes on, you go, what song is this? And then we start to sing, if I needed someone to love, you're the one that I'd be thinking of. And it's kind of like Earth, Wind, and Fire, or Cool in the Gang. You go, wow, that's absolutely really hip and cool. And then the next song we do like the Gypsy Kings, which is going to be our single. You, you like me too much and I like you, and they're servicing that to radio right now. And then we go into all the other songs, and everyone's given a different treatment. A lot of people love uh, Here Comes the Sun because it's in a minor key as a reggae, like a Bob Marley would do it. And in the end, we tag on a Gypsy Kings fast bombolero kind of thing, right? So it, it's just a bunch of guys having fun, and that was our whole intent, to honor George and the songs and have fun playing them, and then have other people playing these arrangements and having fun. How many songs altogether did you uh, did you tackle? About fifty. Wow! Oh, and wow. some of them I just couldn't sing, uh, so I just let them go. You know, when you're recording an album, you start with maybe twenty songs, and you rehearse them, and even two or three don't even make it through the rehearsals. You just you can't find the the moment where all the pieces fit together, and so you just keep going with what you have. And so sometimes you narrow it down to eight or ten. So I, I narrowed it down to two or three, and I would work on those and get them done. And I'd go, hmm, now how can I add to that? And so my, you know, my bass player would say, well, you left out this song. How about thinking about that song? And I'd say, I tried it three different ways. And then I'd wake up at two in the morning with an idea, with a great dream, and come into my laptop, find a groove and a beat, put it down, and then listen to it like the next morning when I woke up going, yeah, that really works. Now, now I'll punch up the rest of the lyrics, and I'll see what I can sing to this and what I can add to it. So it was a building process of deconstructing it you see when these guys buy a house they go they go to the sledgehammer and they rip all the the walls down and the toilets out and they smash it all and then they rebuild it i had to do that with a lot of the songs but i still kept the structure of the song or the house and it's still a very strong house and it's very but it's beautiful with a different look and it's a modern looking house that's how i, how I can make may you know make that appear to you you know it, it's we we talked before about somebody doing it, say with Sinatra, Elvis, or whatever. The difference is that that Harrison wrote these songs, and, and you know the Beatles wrote these songs. So you know not only you're honoring their, you know their versions of of, of a song, you're, you're doing their their work. And you know this is more, you know, like you said, Lenny Kravitz doing uh, doing American Woman. This is more that. Uh, than uh, than somebody doing something of Sinatra that Sinatra had really no nothing on other than he he you know not to disparage Sinatra but I mean he sang it he didn't write it he didn't create it and uh, right exactly the, you know this, this is so much this is so much different uh, what about audiences do you think 
and and again, Beatle fans are funny, and and just like all fans are funny, you know, some are very snobbish, you know, and they, you know, and I guess if they want to see exacts, there's probably some great Beatle cover bands out there that they can do, or George Harrison tribute bands that they can do. This is different. Are, are you expecting any uh, any kind of uh, negative feedback from people saying, "Oh, you"? Can't well, do I that. did, but I, I I never have never had one percent. I just uh, three weekends ago I played at the Beatle Fest in New Jersey with. 3,500 Beatle fans there from all over the world. Uh, my son Tal and I were there, and we did some of these songs acoustic, and we were playing with the band Liverpool, which is guys from Badfinger and Peter and Gordon and little Stevie Van Zandt's band and all these guys who love the Beatles. Everybody said that this was just the greatest celebration of Beatle and George song that they've ever heard because it's a different kind of celebration. It's a different birthday cake, so to speak. So for George's 75th birthday... I get to play this all year. Now I'm being invited to other Beatle Fests and they're having George Fests all year long because of George's birthday. So there hasn't been one. uh, In fact, I've had an incredible amount of praise from musicians who are used to playing this note for note exactly. They come back and go, what a refreshing, cool way to do this song. So we're going to do both of them. We're going to do the original and halfway through, we're going to kick into your version, which really speeds it up and makes it more, more contemporary. And a, a lot of younger kids are liking it because it's more contemporary. They're not listening to their parents' music. They're listening to my album, and they're listening to kind of, if I needed someone, in a whole new context, that sounds like Bruno Mars. You know what I mean? To Earth, Wind, and Fire, as compared to the Beatle, four Beatle guys playing guitar and bass and drums. Let me remind folks once again, those just coming in a little late, Frank McKay here with the great Randy Backman and you know his work from Backman Turner Overdrive and the Guess Who and so much solo work and and currently uh, uh, very proud of a project. I'm uh, excited to listen to it uh, on George Harrison. It's a tribute to George Harrison, the late great and uh, and celebrating a 75th birthday and uh, you know it it just sounds I, you know, it just sounds like a great idea. I, you know, just kind of building off of what I was saying earlier about, you know, a, a, a Sinatra tribute or, or an Elvis tribute. I can see people doing this with you or, or Zeppelin or, or The Who or somebody like that uh, as, a, you know, as, as a follow-up. Um, I'm eager to see if, uh, if, if Ringo has a reaction to it or if he has already had a reaction to it. And Paul McCartney, I would think they would applaud this. Well, I haven't heard from them yet. I've sent out packages, but these, you can imagine these guys get a lot of packages. It was hard to get to the Harrisons, to Olivia and Danny, even though I'm with the same label. Universal represents Apple and the Beatles music around the world. That took three weeks to get to them. Everybody in the world is trying to get to these people. Because of the Beatles channel, or most radio stations having Beatles weekends and breakfast with the Beatles, their music is being celebrated all over again because America needs healing from what's going on with the wars and the presidential stuff and, and all the killings and shootings and stuff. And just like the 60s when the Kennedys were killed and Vietnam was going, America wanted some relief and all they wanted to sing was She Loves You, Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. And you put on my, this album of mine, it reminds them of that. And they just sing along with a carefree attitude and you can forget your woes and cares, which is constantly rammed in your face every 30 seconds on CNN or Fox News. 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. And and people associate. I, I can't even watch the news anymore. I mean, it's so uh, it, it's so depressing. Everything there is uh, is is bloody or negative, or potentially yeah. bloody, and and they just love it. You're right. It's a, it, it's certainly an escape. Frank McKay with Randy Bachman, and uh, talking about a uh, just a wonderful concept um, album with uh, you know paying tribute to the late great George Harrison. You don't know how many people I've spoken to, famous and 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 uh, infamous, that saw the the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. And I don't, I, I mean, I don't know how many people must have seen that show, but how many garage bands, how many basement bands, how many guitars must have been sold, drum sets must have been sold from that one appearance? And it really is. Well, I know for a fact, seventy six million people saw them. In that February, uh, twice they were on the Ed Sullivan show twice. I know Fred Gretsch, and up until that point, he was lucky to sell fifty country gentlemen a year. When George played that double cut country gentleman and all my loving and stuff, he was selling two hundred a day. Oh, they man. couldn't keep up. They couldn't keep up the business. And I just heard from Gretsch; they're sending me all the George guitars. So when I start my American tour in about two weeks, I'll have that double cut country gentleman, the little black cloud nine. And we'll all be playing George's exact song, models of Gretsch's on stage when we play the Troubadour and all over the USA. So it's going to be really George looking with the Gretsch guitars. Same, the same ones that they played in the Wilburys. Do you know, every the week of February 9th, every year we do, you know, on my show and, you know, everywhere we air, um, we do a, a, a Beatles tribute. And, you know, I'm always waiting for people to say, okay, come on, how how many years are you going to do this? How many Beatle, uh, and certainly we'll replay, <laughs> we're going to replay this show uh, during that week uh, uh, for sure, but I never get complaints. I mean, everybody just, uh, they want to hear more. And, and the same thing with, uh, you know, the, the week of December 8th, the uh, tragic week of December 8th with, with John Lennon being shot. You know, we play May Payne. Yeah. And we, play, uh, we play all the, uh, all the people talking about the Beatles. And, and it's really difficult to pick the the shows that uh, that people, uh, you know, I, I mean, the Beatles are just in a different category. I mean, it is uh, there is nothing like it. I mean, it, with how many years has it been now? And uh, and we're still talking about it. We're still excited about it. People are growing well, in the up. Front the, of my, the front of my album, there's a little prelude where I write my feeling on the Beatles. And they changed everything for all bands because up to them. There was a front man called Elvis or Gene Vincent or Eddie Cochran, and behind him, or Buddy Holly, was two or three guys playing on a band. When the Beatles came on Ed Sullivan, there was three guys standing in your face singing harmony. And you went, what? Three guys up front and a drummer in the back? We want to do that. What? The lead guitar player singing a song? I want to sing his songs. The drummer is singing a song. I want to sing. I'm the drummer. I want to sing Boys and I Want to Be Your Man. They changed it for every single band in the world. Everybody got to be a Beatle for three minutes. And they literally, when I would do George's songs, in my mind, it was like an actor. You, you become that person. Randy Bachman is our very special guest. We've been talking with him about a, uh, a special project celebrating the 75th birthday of George Harrison, the late great Beatle guitarist and just a... a, a tremendous concept uh, it's a, not a cover version of or not a, a host of cover versions of George Harrison's songs but uh, remakes 
you know, remakes of these songs and done in a very special way and uh, just an amazing, uh, an amazing concept. I look forward to seeing it and hearing it myself. Again, Frank McKay here, continuing with Randy Bachman. Yeah, I mean, how much of that was was personality too? I mean, it was it's everything. I mean, just rolled up into one. I mean, the the romantic uh, version is that Brian Epstein grabbed these guys and they were all um, they were all in leather jackets and he cleaned them up and he put them in suits and he cleaned them up, whatever. But those guys had such natural personality, every every one of them, and and you saw it at the. I, I could watch that press conference over and over and over again. I mean, they just charmed the pants off of the New York media, and you know they were probably there looking, you know, looking for every, everything to complain about. It, it's. That press conference. In a way, in a way, if you look at their interviews, it's like an interview with the Marx Brothers. Yeah. Exactly. Every single guy had a personality. Every single guy was hilarious. Without any script, they were just hilarious guys. The way they interacted, it was like a Three Stooges or the, you know, like I said, the Marx Brothers. They, they were amazing. You look at their early interviews. The, the off the cup remarks they made are like Comedy Central. They were fantastic. They were, I, you know, I know, uh, you know, they were asked a question about, uh, you know, just four Elvis Presleys and they, it, it, I mean, without missing a beat, Ringo said, it's not true. And he started shaking his hips. Well, what I, I mean, just everything they did, they asked George, George Harrison, they said about getting a haircut. He says, I got one yesterday. I don't think he was even kidding. It just, it just came across so natural and so, you know, right. carefree. I, I mean, really, I mean, we're never going to see anything like this again. I don't care how long we live. We could live to 200 years. You're never going to see another Beatlemania. It's just not happening. Now, everybody's too afraid to say those things to the press. Whereas, like you said, the Beatles didn't care. They, that's how they spoke. I toured with Ringo for a whole year in his all-star band. And it's like touring with Monty Python's Flying Circus. There's this deep ingrained sarcastical <laughs> humor that if you take the wrong way it's insulting but if you take it the right way it's absolutely hilarious there could be nothing funnier you, you know i just interviewed a guy from i don't know if you remember the band the knack he was a real nice guy uh, preston niles, sure, I remember prescott niles and you know they had the big hit my sharona and, and he said to yeah. me and he was dead serious he said you know uh, we somebody said and, you know, one of the writers said, you know, these guys are the next Beatles. And he said, the second they said it, we knew we were dead. You know, it's like everybody just ripped them to shreds. They didn't say it. Somebody said Beatles and they're thinking, oh, what did you do? to? How could you say something like that? But the thing is, right. how, you, you want to kill somebody? Even nowadays, you just say these guys are the next Beatles. And, and the people will just will despise them. I mean, there's there's no... There's no next Beatles. I mean, it's it's the Beatles, and then there's kind of everybody else after that. And and we're talking about some legendary bands. I mean, the Stones are not the Beatles, and they're amazing. I mean, and they're still going all this time. They're just not the Beatles. It's it's a different category. It's almost like the Beatles, and then there's everybody else. Yeah, I agree. Uh, what do you think? Where, where do you think this goes? I, I mean, how how long? Do you think you'll end up playing? I, I think you're going to have have a tremendous response uh, and a tremendous amount of pressure to continue to do it. Uh, is it? Well, do you think it will, will get be to the, the biggest? Yeah, this will be the biggest year I've had in ten years as far as touring, the demand for touring, and it all because of this 
deep rooted love that I've had since 1962 or three for the Beatles and for George Harrison that finally out came this ridiculous, stupendous idea, because it's both, to do an album of George Harrison songs. It just so happened that his 75th birthday is celebrating the Beatles being on Ed Sullivan in February, like many decades ago, and the world wanting some relief with some really happy songs, and every Beatles song was, was quite happy. Uh, even tax man was happy because you're making fun of the tax man, right? Yeah. If you want to sit, he'll tax your seat. If you want to walk, he'll tax your feet. It's just, it's a Liverpool humor. And so everybody wants to sing that. La la la. My first song between two mountains pretty much lays it out there, uh, as being a really simple song and a very innocent time in music. But you look at what the Beatles did in like five years. They took you from, Love, Love Me Do, and She Loves You, Yeah, 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 which everybody in every country in the world could sing, to, you know, Marmalade Skies and the Kaleidoscope Eyes and Tomorrow Never Knows and Tibetan War Chances. They did absolutely everything uh, in that period of time. And you, you can't just count the wonderful bits that George Martin took these four guys, four train wrecks, put them in a bottle, shook it up, uncorked it, and out came this magical music time after time after time after time. We've been speaking with Randy Backman, uh, Backman-Turner Overdrive, and the guess who, uh, he's put together just an amazing career. Still going strong, his latest project is a tribute to George Harrison, but so uh, so many of his uh songs will be coming through in a much different way not certainly not a cover band not a harrison cover band but uh something much different remakes remakes of these songs i'm uh, looking forward to seeing them live and and hearing any product that's recorded uh frank mckay uh signing off randy backman from backman turner overdrive has been our very special guest singer songwriter guitarist randy backman we'll see you next time on breaking it down